Okay, good morning, sisters. So good to see all of you. Um, I think you got from uh, Brother Joe that if you need your, you know, uh, translation, the, uh, you know, the frequency, okay? Um, <clears throat> I'm so happy this morning to be here, uh, not only to see you sisters, but to see actually sisters from six localities at least. So we have Cerritos, of course, the, these are the local ones. And then we have um, Long Beach. We also have Torrance. We have uh, Whittier. We have uh, Southgate. Who, who are the sisters from Southgate? I'd like to see. Ah, they're back there. Wonderful. There's some here. Well, actually, thank you, thank you. Actually, I'd like to see the raise of hands again. Okay, those from Cerritos, could you just raise your hands? All right, thank you. They're in the back there, good. And then uh, those from Long Beach? Ah, good, good, good. Okay, and then Torrance? Wonderful, wonderful. And then, of course, we saw Southgate. And how about Whittier? There should be a few. Oh, more than a few, wonderful. Wonderful. And then we have uh, Inglewood. Inglewood, please. Oh, there's still some there. Actually, the way I see it, of course, we have mostly the Chinese sisters from Cerritos, but we have a good number of uh, Spanish-speaking sisters this morning. It's a wonderful thing. Wonderful thing. Um, now... Um, this kind of a gathering of these six churches, I think, a bit historical. Yeah. I don't think we have such a conference ever, brothers or sisters. But we are starting now with the sisters. Amen. So the sisters are taking the lead <laughs> to blend the six churches together. Now, um, I'd like to tell you, uh, say something about our schedule today. So you all have... Uh, You'll be all peaceful. Um, and that is, uh, we start this meeting, uh, first session, and this session will end at 11.30. And then from 11.30 to uh, 12.30, we will have an early lunch. Uh, the church in Cerritos here has prepared box lunches for everyone. Uh, the brothers will tell you where to eat. I think it'll be outside under the tent or something like this. And um, then after one hour, we will uh, resume uh, the second session, which will go from 12.30 to 2.30. And we will have a hard stop at 2.30 because we know you have children, you have um, husbands who say, how come they're still not home yet? So we're going to do that and have a hard stop. Um, and I guarantee you this will not be the last time. This is the first time, and if the Lord uh, would lead us, how about we have once every six months? Every six months, we have something for the sisters. How about that? Uh, maybe next time we can meet in Long Beach or something like that. All right? So... Now, um, I'd like to say something now, a little bit more about what I'm going to cover. You have in your hands um, 
an outline. Uh, it's called Lessons for the Sisters. And in fact, today we're going to cover Lessons 17 and 18. Now, just a little word about these lessons. So a few years back, uh, I was um, very burdened for the sisters. You know, today we have uh, these uh, once-a-month gathering of leading brothers and responsible brothers. I think some of you know, maybe some of your husbands are part of that, uh, those meetings. Um, um, we take, I think, four months out of six months per half a year to conduct those kind of a training for leading brothers um, up there in Arcadia. And uh, there's always a burden to perfect the brothers in their responsibilities. But in my heart, I've always, always had a deep, deep, I would even say heavy burden for the perfecting of the sisters. And as you will see, even from some of the outlines today, that in a sense, actually in a very good sense, the sisters are more important than the brothers in the practical church life. Now, this is not to say the brothers are less important in every way. No. We need the brothers, of course. And God made men and women. You know, it says God made men, that men seems is what we call human beings. But specifically, in Genesis, it says God made the male and the female. God didn't just make human beings, kind of, um, you know, in a general way, but God made male and female. He created them. So these two genders are specific in God's creation according to God's plan and purpose. Each of them would have a role, um, has uh, his or her function in God's economy. This is just something of God. It's not according to your thought or my thought. This is something from God and of God. And so um, in God's whole purpose and economy, that is the case. Surely that was the case in the Old Testament. Um, now, um, uh, I'll say something more about that in a moment. In the New Testament, even the more, you have very, very clear and specific teaching, I would say instructions, from the Lord and particularly from the apostles concerning the, these two genders, these two, the male and the female, in the context of the Christian life and even the more the church life. In the church life, you do need the brothers and you do need the sisters. Actually, they are complementary. You know the word. It's just like husband and wife, male and female. They are two halves of one melon. You know, you have a watermelon. Today, I think we're going to have some watermelon from Long Beach. Okay? 
specifically from Long Beach. Okay, so you get this beautiful watermelon. I just came back from Hong Kong, where I came from, and I went to a supermarket there, and they have a watermelon the size of which it's like this big. A real one. I thought it's fake, but no, it's a real one. And they charge a lot, a few hundred dollars for that. I don't know who would buy it, but it is. But mostly the melon is like a basketball, right? Just kind of a round shape. And if you slice it in the middle, you would have two halves, two halves. And so male and female are the two halves of a melon. And it takes the two combined to make one whole melon. You see the point? So these two halves are complementary. You cannot just have men without women. You cannot have just women without the men. In the church life, we need both brothers and sisters to complement each other to become a whole. And that whole is the God-man, because in Christ, listen, in Christ, there actually are no males or females. In Christ, all right? That is in the new creation. There is actually no male and no female. This is according to the word. But in what? In practicality, in our human life, in our church life, in time and space on the earth today, there are still the males and the females, the brothers and the sisters. They have different roles and function and usefulness to God. We just need to be happy with that. We just need to be settled uh, with that fact. And so in these meetings, what we're going to emphasize is surely the sister's role. The sisters function. And actually, even we have some prior lessons we didn't give here. I gave them elsewhere. It's in the early lessons of these lessons that talked about the position of the sisters. Even the position of the sisters. Now that I have talked about other lessons. Okay, so some years ago, I had the burden to put together a uh, range uh, of lessons specifically for the sisters. The burden is that we need to perfect and raise up many, many more proper sisters for the church life, just like we need to raise up more proper brothers. Now, by that, I mean that even though we're saved, we're regenerated by the life of the Lord, we're all children of God, that is wonderful. That is wonderful. But that alone does not make us the proper people. You see? So after we're saved or regenerated, just like after you have a child, it's not just feeding them something and make them grow. You need to train them up. You need to teach them. You need to what foster them, your child, your babies, so that they can grow up as a proper man, as a proper woman, as a productive citizen in society. If you leave it to them, they will grow for sure. If they just eat, they will grow. But they will grow up in a wild way. They will grow up in a 
uneducated way. They will grow up in an untrained way. They will just be wild people all over the place. And sorry to say, we see that today even in our society. So not only we need to be saved, not only we need to have enjoy the Lord and have a certain amount of growth in life, we all very much need the proper kind of spiritual education. We all need the proper spiritual kind of training. The biblical word is perfecting. That means perfecting means something is missing, something is not complete. So we are all this way. We, that's why you, we, we go to school. That's why we uh, pick up certain skills. That's why we are trained in, um, if we're in a, from a proper family, with the uh, uh, proper kind of culture and the proper kind of etiquette, manners, even all those things are to make us proper people. Don't think in the spiritual realm we don't need that. We just eat, drink, and grow. No, it doesn't work that way. It is even more so. Sisters, my burden is that today in the local churches, we are short of the well-trained sisters. The proper sisters that are spiritually trained, that can be useful to the Lord for the building up of that church. I hope, even by listening to my simple introduction this way, you would have adjust your mentality. So these meetings here are not just some conference to uh, uh, nourish you a little bit with something of the biblical truth and something of life. It's more than that. I consider this kind of time something perfecting in nature, training in nature. The brothers the same. That's why they need training. They, they may be saved. They may be regenerated. But that doesn't mean automatically they are the right persons to serve. They are the right persons to take the lead. No. They need a lot of training. Just a lot of training. You see, I have four grandchildren. And their mothers, which are my daughters, are spending a lot of time training them. Not just feeding them, but training them. Like, don't do that. <laughs> Sit up. Eat your vegetables. Do you see what I'm saying? Uh, say good morning to grandpa. I love that the most. <laughs> All this, you say, no, 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 no. We just feed them. They will grow. No, no. They need training so that they can grow up as a proper human being, you see. So this is the thing. So I put together 48 lessons, 48 lessons. And they, I wish you can get into all 48, sisters. So what I've been doing, this is since a year and a half ago. I started in Canada. Wherever I have the opportunity, I will do two lessons like this back to back. So today, we're at lesson 17, which means I covered 16 lessons already, and I did. Actually, I covered 18, because I added two special lessons 
on Proverbs chapter 31. Do you know Proverbs 31? You probably not, have not, may not have read Proverbs. Proverbs is after Psalms in the Old Testament. And chapter 31 is a wonderful chapter on the subject of a worthy woman. A worthy woman. That means a valuable woman. A precious woman. And in that chapter, which we will reference in this message, this, uh, this, uh, this lesson 17, um, you will see that in the way of a metaphor, in a way of a picture, okay, in a way of a type, what a woman's role should be in the church life. Actually, not even just a church life, but in the home life as a wife and especially as a mother in the home life, just in the human home life, but for sure in the church life. And so I gave two special messages on that. So altogether, I have actually given 18 messages already. If you are interested in these messages, which are all video and audio recorded, you can talk to the leading brothers in your church. If the church would sponsor that, I will release those files for you to watch together and listen together. Why? Because these 48 lessons are created like a syllabus, like a, like a class, like a course, if you will, like going to school, in a progressive way, in a systematic way. And you need to go through everything sequentially in order to get the best help from these lessons. For example, I refer earlier already, I have two lessons just on the position of women. Position versus the position of man. I say this particularly because today in our society, there is a different kind of philosophy. Very different. Human, natural, worldly, and if you will forgive me for saying this, satanic. That would what? That would try to upend, overthrow God's, listen, God's ordained order in this universe. And who is the first one to upend that? It's the devil, who was once upon a time an archangel, in fact, the top angel to worship God. But one day, because there is impurity and rebellion in his heart, he wanted to become God. So he led one third of the angels in rebellion. And this is the story of the devil, Satan. And he led all these evil angels, and today all those angels have become evil spirits that inhabited the heaven, not the third heavens where God is, but the heavens above the earth. And they are, there they rule, there they reign. These are the evil and dark forces of Satan. They are together, collectively, still rebelling against the throne of God. 
And they not only did that because they work among men, among human beings as well. So they also got the human beings and make them sons of disobedience. Today, disobedience characterizes the fallen mankind. And so today, between angels and man, there's a huge universal rebellion still going on. It's been the last 6,000 years still going on against God, against God's throne, against God's ordination, against God's arrangement of a certain order in this universe. So even among mankind, there is an order between man and woman. And this is clearly laid out in the word of God. It's not how you feel on what you say. It's what God says. And I'm not here to fight. I'm not here to um, uh, get on some kind of a a political platform. I'm not doing this. I am here, sisters, just standing on nothing less and nothing more than the Bible. The very word of God. And we would be blessed, sisters, if we all do so. So I would like to say, don't stand with or don't take or stand on the worldly kind of teaching and philosophy in this matter. Now I know today there's a lot of problems caused by men and caused by men's mistreatment of women. I know that. Terrible. Terrible. Those kind of things abound. We don't condone that. We're not for that. That's evil. That's bad. So we're not saying that, right? That man should mistreat women, man should harass women, man should abuse women. Absolutely not. That is satanic to the uttermost. That's evil to the uttermost. But having said that, sisters, you must acknowledge there's still a divine order. That what? According to the apostles' teaching, that man is the head of the woman, and Christ is the head of the man, and God is the head of Christ. Even Christ has a head. You say, I'm a woman. I'm just unlucky. You know, I wish I was born a man. I don't need to be under nobody. Well, This morning, I have a reverse gospel for all of you. It is the greatest blessing to be under authority. We'll see. We'll see. So that even Christ, Jesus himself, did not count his equality with God, with the triune God, as something, what? What does the word say? Huh? To be grasped upon. He became a man. He became even in the fashion of a man and the likeness of a slave and died 
the death on the cross, that means the death of a criminal, of a malefactor. Christ in the triune God, Father, Son, and Spirit, is equal with the Father and the Spirit. Yet, in order to accomplish redemption, because of setting an example, he took a lower place. He took the position of submission and obedience under the Father God. And in the end, of course, we know the Father highly exalted him and given him a name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Even Jesus humbled himself. Even Jesus came under the Father God economically. So, dear sisters, Do not think to submit is a shameful thing. To submit is a beautiful thing, is a glorious thing, is a wonderful thing. I often say in these meetings to sisters that after I read so much, study so much concerning sisters, I said, Lord, why didn't you make me a sister? That would be a greater blessing than being a brother. I, I, I really mean that. I really mean that. If you see it. Unlike today, the women are just trying to what? Throw off any kind of authority. They want equality. They don't just want equality. Today's feminism. More than equality. They say they're oppressed by man. Dear sisters, this is the worldly teaching. I'm not condoning all the abuses and all the mistreatment of women by man. No, I'm not doing that at all. But I am saying today, This universe, with the devil and the angels, they are looking at us. As we will see, we are a spectacle. We are a show in this whole universe. A show of what? A show that there is a place. There are some people who are fully submissive under God's throne. They acknowledge God's divine arrangement of his divine order in this universe, unlike the Satan and the evil angels. What a testimony that is. What a powerful testimony that is. And we must have this testimony in the local churches today. So I'm spending way too much time on this. But, dear sisters, I'm just kind of saying, if you have time, go back to those messages. They are enormously, enormously helpful. All right. Now, we come to today's two lessons. Both of these lessons are on one matter, and that is on the function of the sisters in the church life. The function. The usefulness of 
the dear sisters in the church life today. So uh, without further ado, I would get into this outlines right away with you. My hope is that after I speak and so on, then you would go back and you come together in small groups, two or three, three or four, four or five, and get into this message again, get into this outline again. And I have even some, I think, some uh, ministry excerpts for you. I even have some questions for you that you can mutually answer and study the matter. I believe you'll get a lot more if you do that. All right. Now, in this first lesson, we come to a few points concerning what is your function. I bet that many of you, some of you, have been in the church life for some time. If I ask you, dear sister, what's your function anyway? You won't know how to answer that question. Uh, You would say, maybe I prepare love feasts, you know, cook the food, or um, you're not so sure. Okay, after this today, you'll all be very sure, very clear. What is your function? All right? Okay, in this first lesson, there are two things primarily, two functions. Number one, your function is to preserve and maintain life. Now, I'm going to explain that, but you just take this, okay? Your job, your function, dear sisters, every one of you, is a very important one, very crucial one. That is to preserve life and to maintain life. I'm going to explain. Just by these two words, preserve and maintain, you agree with me, it sounds very important because it is important. What's more important, you know, after you have a baby, to preserve it and to maintain it so that it survives, so that it would grow. That's your job in the church life, dear sisters. Without you, life may die. Lives may not survive. A big job. A big job. The second part is conceive and give birth to everything in the church life. My goodness, what can be bigger than this? Sisters, we use these words, of course, related to childbirth, right? To conceive, to conceive a baby in your womb and to give birth to this child, to this baby. And of course, we're not just talking about this biologically or physically. We're talking about this spiritually. But in every way, just as important. Conceiving and giving birth is crucial to procreation in the human race. 
I will tell you, conceiving and giving birth in the church life is critical to the what? Procreation of the divine race. God's race. That's your job. Sisters, that's your job. Conceiving and giving birth to everything in the church life. Many, many things in the church life. Many aspects of the church life. You have to help to conceive and give birth to these things. All right. Now we'll skip the verses. You can go back and read them. Okay. Number one. We need to see the importance of the sisters function in the church life. That's what the theme of today's lessons, the function. Number one, A, God uses physical things as shadows of spiritual things. A human family is just a shadow, a picture of the church life. The church life is a family. All right? Yes, I know recently we studied Numbers, the book of Numbers, and we found out the church is an army. It's an army. It is. But first and foremost, the church is a family. And God, the Father, is our common father. And Jesus Christ is our common big brother. And all of us are brothers. You know, again, in Christ, there are no sisters, only brethren, only brothers. But in practical situation, we are the, what, sons and daughters of God. We are brothers and sisters. And we are one big family. One big family. Whether you are a little church in Whittier or wherever or Southgate or you're in a larger church here in Cerritos or in Long Beach, we are a family. We really are. We're not just a congregation of Christians. We're families. I hope even, even right now, sitting there, you would have a feel that you're in a family. And the sister next to you is your sister. That means she's in your family. Now, he may, she may be from another local church. That's okay. But universally, we are one big family. You're my sisters. And this family is actually closer than even your physical family. If you have the eyes to see this. All right. Now, in the church, the brothers can be compared to the husband. And this, like a father in a family, and the sisters can be compared to the wife and mother. Wife and mother. So me as a brother... uh, can be compared to being the husband and a father in this family. Of course, the true father is God himself. We know that. And the real husband is Jesus Christ. We know that. But I'm saying that in another sense, in a practical sense, the sisters, you sisters, 
you have to consider you are the wives and the mothers in this family. In this family, there are many wives and many mothers. Spiritual wives and spiritual mothers are the sisters in the church life today. I'd like to say a word to sisters who are not married. You say, I'm not even married humanly. How can I be a wife? How can I be a uh, mother? I'd like to tell you, you can. Even a college-age sister can be a wife and a mother, spiritually. And I've seen that. I've seen that. Dear sisters, because of their growth, because of their propriety, because of their, the learning that they have received, even they're not married physically, they become wives and mothers to some younger sisters, to the young people, to the children, to so many in this big family of ours. I've seen that. B, in order to have a proper family life, the mother is more important than the father. Now, this is not to, <laughs> as they say, to butter you up, right? I'm not here just to make you feel good. But it is a fact. It is a fact. In a family, the mother is more important than the father. In my family, okay? I will tell you all day long that Vicky, my wife, is a lot more important than me. And now, as I said, we have grandchildren. He's, she's grandma, uh, even more important than me. I mean, when I go home, I kind of fade out. I kind of fade away. You know, whether I'm home, I'm not home, it's really not that critical. But when grandma is not home, it's terrible. When mom is not home, isn't terrible. That's just how it is. I don't count that much. I don't mean I'm unnecessary, but compared to my wife, she is a lot more important. The principle is the same regarding the church life. In this sense, we may say that the sisters are more important than the brothers in the church life. They are. Sisters, please trust me. I'm speaking from my heart right now. And I have spoken this a lot to sisters everywhere. And you must trust me. I speak this not just to make you feel good. I speak this from the bottom of my heart. You are more important than the brothers. In this sense. In this sense. Now you need brothers in the church, of course. To administrate things, to make certain decisions, to take some lead. Of course, that is not the sister's function. That's the brother's function. But that doesn't mean that is more important than what you do. Actually, the sisters are more important. In a family, now let's come to this. The responsibility in a family is mainly on the side of the wife. In order to have a proper family life with a proper home life, the wife 
must bear the majority of the responsibility. Now, I'm not here to just dump some burden on you, to kind of put some heavy burden on you. I'm not doing this. But I want you to know, I want you to know that the responsibilities in the church life, most of it, not all, most of it falls on the dear sisters. Less so on the brothers. This is a fact. This is a fact. I cannot assign, can give you percentages. You know, 60-40 or 70-30. I'm not going to tell you what that is. But I can tell you that the sisters, your responsibility is more than the brother's. You know, the, uh, the verses here, use reference verses, are exactly from Proverbs 31 on the worthy woman. So it's good for you to get that recording and, and listen to it. Okay, D, in order to have a proper church life, the sisters must bear a particular responsibility and carry out a particular function. Now the word is this, that not only you have responsibility, but you have a particular responsibility. We're going to talk about it here. Some particular responsibility. All right. To carry out a particular function. Oh, how I treasure these functions of the sisters. I've been in the recovery by now... In this country, 50 years, 50 years. So I think I've been in the church life longer than most of us here, probably. It's a long time, a long time. So I witness, I've been in different church life when I was young, when I was older, small churches, big churches. Good situations, not so good situations. I've been through all of them. I've been in the Far East. I've been here. I travel. All in the recovery. Dear sisters, I must tell you, I must tell you, this word is true. This word is true. Where there are churches that are thriving, healthy, Growing. I can, I don't need to ask anyone. I know that's because certain sisters are functioning in a proper way. I just know it. It won't happen without the sisters. Sometimes, even there could be some lack in the brothers, some shortages in the brothers. It's not unusual. You shouldn't be surprised by that. About men, you know what I mean. But I tell you, the sisters can oftentimes make up, make up the lack of the brothers in the common church life. I've seen that, and actually I have experienced that myself. Myself. 
without my wife, for example. She's just one sister, I'm just one brother, we're not the church life, but just use that as an example. Without my wife, I won't be functioning the way I am. Trust me, I will not and I cannot. You know, they say behind every man is a woman or something like that, you know. That is true. Of course, that's a worldly saying, but it is true. It is quite true. That without the sister's support, without the sister's service, without the sister's function, the brothers can only do so much. The church life, my dear sisters, depends on you very much. Very, very much. Two, let's go on. The main function of the sisters, both in the church and in the family, now I come to the first function of the sisters, is to preserve and maintain life. Now, A, it says, in a family, it is the wife, not primarily the husband. The husband is involved, but not primarily. They are not the main person that maintain the life of a family. That means the people in that family, especially the children of the family, actually including the husband himself. If a father is not at home, the children are not affected as much as, much as when the mother is away from home. That, that I think in any culture is the same. In the uh, uh, Hispanic culture, I don't care what country you come from, isn't that the, the, the truth? The, the father can be away, but the mother cannot be away. To, to preserve and maintain life and, 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 and health uh, in that family. I think the Koreans, huh? no difference. The Chinese, no difference. You know, the Americans, no, no different. Am I right? It, 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 it spans, it, it cuts across all culture, cultural lines. It is the way God made men. God, this is how it should be according to God's ordination. Well, okay, let's go. B, the condition of a church depends on the sisters. When the sisters are healthy, living and going on, the church is healthy, living and going on. (laughs) Oh, you say, Brother Minoru, you're putting way too much burden on us. We're not that great, you know, we're not that strong, we're, we, we, we're nothing, we're nobody, we couldn't do anything. Well, I want to change that mindset. This morning, I like to say, you are somebody. You are a wife. You are a mother. You are key to our family the church. 
If, dear sisters, you are healthy, you're living, and you're going on, I tell you, the church will do so. The church really will do so. Now, of course, for that, you need to love the Lord. You need to follow him. You need to grow in life. You need to exercise your spirit and many other things, of course. But I'm not talking about that right now. We're going to talk about it in a moment. I just want to impress you of who you are. Who you are in this family. Too, too important. I give training to the brothers. Let me tell you, those trainings are not as important as this training. (laughs) I have how many lessons? 36 lessons. This is 48 lessons. (laughs) Just by the number, you can tell. Who is more important? By the way, you say, what are all the other 48 lessons about? I'll tell you. At least half of these 48 lessons, that means 24, we're going to cover examples throughout the Bible. Wives and mothers in the whole Bible as examples and patterns for the sisters. All right. Okay, three. The sisters need to bear responsibility. Now we come to the more specific point. And give birth to everything in the church life. What do we mean by that? Okay, let's get into it. Firstly, A, in the family, the husband cannot conceive and give birth to anything. The husband doesn't even have a womb, you know what I mean? I mean, they help to conceive, but they don't have a womb where the embryo, where where, um, uh, the baby would be conceived. It is up to the woman. It is God made it this way. Not, like I say, not just biologically, but spiritually. Okay? And then not only to conceive after nine months, you know what I mean, um, then to give birth, to give birth to something. You know, the men, they did something, but it is... Thereafter is the woman that conceive and give birth, and may I say, not just giving birth, to raise up the children. My, I tell you, just on the matter of the life side, do you see the difference? A huge big difference. That is not the job of the men. That is primarily... The function, the word is the function of the sisters. All right, okay. Only the wife can bear a child. This is an illustration of the situation in the church life. B, no matter what the church endeavors to work out, let's say the church in Long Beach, they want to work something out, uh, preach the gospel, or uh, take care of the children, Right? Or to uh, 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 do something new with the young people's work. Or to uh, advance with the campus, with the uh, 
college age or whatever, okay? Many things in the church life there, let's say in Long Beach. So the brothers are endeavoring. But I'll tell you, I can tell you this morning, if the sisters in Long Beach go on strike, you know what I mean? They said, we won't do it. No matter what you brothers say, we won't do it. I tell you, sorry, Joe, it's over. (laughs) Nothing will happen in Long Beach. No matter how much the brothers will try, how much they sweat, how much they work, I'll tell you, it won't happen. But if the sisters in Long Beach has the grace from the Lord to follow this burden... I'll tell you, they will conceive this burden. They receive the seed of this burden, but it is up to them to conceive this burden in their womb, spiritual womb, and to give birth to this spiritual burden of the gospel or of the young people or of the children or whatever it may be. It is up to the sisters. I will tell you, 50 years in my observation in the church life, this is a, this is the truth. Sisters, we need you. The church needs you. This family, this family needs you. Or else we're stuck. All right. B, no matter what the church endeavors, okay, I read that already. It is very difficult to bring forth anything without the sisters. The brothers may initiate something and make some decisions, but whether or not anything can be conceived and worked out depends more on the sisters. That's why I told, I told the many brothers, why are we paying only attention to brothers, train up the brothers? We never spend time to be with the sisters and help them and care for them. It's illogical. It doesn't make sense. That's why I have this deep burden to prepare these lessons, and not just these lessons, but even on the whole in the church life, we have to regard the sisters, respect the sisters, treasure the sisters, and encourage the sisters to do their part, to work out their function. One, if the sisters are silent and dormant in relation to anything in the church life, there will not, that thing, whatever that thing, will not have a good outcome. All the things of life related to the local church must be conceived and brought forth by the sisters. Let's say, in... uh, Okay, in uh, Torrance, okay, the Lord is having a new beginning in the church in Torrance. Hallelujah. I'm so happy. Amen. I'm so happy. Now, to rebuild the church in Torrance, let's say the brothers, we need have the burden. We need to shepherd the saints, right? We need to visit the saints, the dormant saints, the needy saints, or what we call so-called the backslidden saints, We have this burden. So we pray about it, the brothers, and we share that with the saints. 
But if the sisters would not pick that up and work that out, it's hard. I would, I would not say nothing will happen. Something may happen, but not in the most, what, prevailing way. It will not be in the most powerful way. But if the sisters would pick that up and do something and visit, I tell you, and care for some of these ones, I tell you, the church will start to move. The church will start to move. The brothers, so to speak, may be at the wheel, you know, the wheel, the car, the wheel. But if the engine is dead, they can do all this all day long. It would be like a child in a little make-believe go-kart. It's not going to go anywhere because the engine is not moving. The sisters, you're the engine. You're the engine. Really. See, how can the sisters now, now we come to this point. Sisters, how can you conceive and give birth to something in the church life? Now, in other lessons, trust me, we're going to talk more specifically about what is to be mothers. How do we care for people? How do we shepherd sisters? But not today in this lesson. Today, we're going to spend the rest of the time in this session to talk about how you can do this. Number one, sisters, what does it say here? First, the sisters need to what? Love the Lord with the first love. There are a lot of verses here that talk about In the New Testament, the female, the sisters, demonstrate their love for the Lord in a very, very overt way. That means in a very, very even outward way, in a very, very strong way. Not so much the brothers, but the sisters. Now, of course, we know this word, first love, is from Revelation, chapter 2. The Lord said to what? The first church called the church in Ephesus. He said, I have one thing against you. You're, You're good. But I have one thing against you. And that is you have lost or left your first love. So you need to repent. Now, that word first love actually means the best. So you can say the best love. You know, we all have loves, right? And those loves may be of different degrees. And those loves can fluctuate in time. Once upon a time, you love someone to this degree. I mean, the best, the first. You know, we have that song, Jesus, Lord, you are our first love. You're the one we love the best, right? But then after some years, I hope this is not your husband, but after some years, (laughs) there's still love there. You just say, 
hey, I love you. <laughs> Quite different from the honeymoon. You don't say, hey, I love you, right? You say it with a lot more feeling. Because at that time, it's first and the best. Then after some time, that love waned. That love decreased. And so it's no longer the best love or the first love. The same thing can happen between us and Jesus. Once upon a time, when we were saved, or when we consecrated ourselves to the Lord, we love him the best. I mean, there's nothing else on earth that can compare to the Lord in our feeling. We love him with just everything, with our whole heart. But after some time, aha, uh-huh, that love can get cold and decrease. Sisters, if you want to be one who would conceive and give birth in the church, the first condition is that you need to love the Lord with the best, with the first. I hope this kind of talk today will result in some action and reaction from you. Not with me, but with the Lord. You would say, Lord, I want to be a sister that conceive and give birth. For that, bring me back to the best love. The first love. Actually, brothers, we need to do the same. We all need to do this. When the sisters, you love the Lord like this, really, truly, the Lord is first. The Lord is best. The Lord is your everything. I tell you, you will be in a condition to conceive. You will, automatically. All the problems we have with the Lord are due to a lack of love toward him. As long as we have the best love, the first love toward the Lord, all the problems are gone. Oh, what, what, what can I say? Lord Jesus, I love you. I love you the best. I love you the first. Sisters, if this comes out of your mouth, If this comes up from your heart to the Lord every day, even every moment, you're ready to conceive. You're ready to give birth. Now, I speak not as a sister, but in God's eyes, even the men are women. You know that, right? In Christ, we're all men. But before Christ, we're all women. Because we all have been betrothed to our one husband, Christ. Okay, so I'm a woman, right? Woman, right? And my husband is Christ. Absolutely. I'll tell you, when, I, when my love towards my husband goes down, or is not maintained in freshness, 
I can try to conceive. It doesn't happen. I can try to deliver babies. No baby will come out. Because my condition is wrong. My condition is wrong. Love is the foremost factor in our service and in our function in God's family. Love is the first. So, sisters, these days, just tell the Lord how much you love him. No matter what. No matter what. Take the lead in your family, in the church, to love the Lord. And have the best love. Please read some of these scriptures about that woman. You know that woman. I don't need to talk about him. How he, what, broke the alabaster box. Very expensive. And anoint the Lord's feet. And even he, what, washes, the different accounts, you know. One, he would wash the Lord's feet with her hair, with her tears. He would kiss the Lord's feet. I, I mean, that is very, very powerful. That is in front of other people. He, 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 she has no sense of a face. She, she, she was blinded to everybody present. In that room is just the Lord and her. She doesn't care. People would laugh. People may mock. People may ridicule her. She cared less. She just have in her eyes the Lord Jesus. And she would pour out everything and do these things. To the Lord. My goodness, dear sisters, this is where everything begins. It's love. It's our love to the Lord. This morning, you don't need to make any resolution. I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, I'm going to conceive, <laughs> I'm going to give birth. No need. You just say, Lord, I love you. The first and the best. You just keep saying that to him and see what happens. <clears throat> My, even South Bay, we have 300 sisters who love the Lord like this. Watch out. There's going to be an explosion in the South Bay. I challenge you. I challenge myself. I just came back from this glorious training in Champaign, Illinois. Any one of you went there? Some of you went there with the college age, the saints, all, all, all throughout the world, actually. Friday night, I gave my testimony, right, sister? I gave my story, basically my story, uh, mainly of how I met the Lord, uh, how the Lord met me, really, um, uh, three times in a row, three times in a row, three times in the course of a year and a half. Those three times of the Lord's visitation of me determined the course 
of my whole life until today. <coughs> I don't have time to tell you the story, but my, the, the point is this. In each of those times of the Lord's appearing to me, he appeared to me with love. That is the Lord's weapon, you know what I mean? The Lord doesn't come with anything else. He doesn't come and twist your arm. He doesn't come and force you to do something. He doesn't even come and kind of command you to do something. The Lord just come to love. And when the Lord comes to love, I tell you that love just melted me and changed my life forever. It was there in those three appearances I decided to give my whole life to the Lord to serve him because of love, because of love. Dear sisters, let him appear to you. Let him appear to you with his love. You just say, Lord, come to me. Come to me with your love again in a fresh way. Visit me. Appear to me. He will. He really will. Second, the sisters need to be broken. Oh, you don't like to hear this, right? Love is better, but uh, I need to be broken. Well, this morning, I like to stir up your desire to be broken. Don't think to be broken is a terrible thing. Don't think this way. I tell you, to be broken is a sweet thing. Our way, dear sisters, is the way of the cross. That's the way that our Savior walked. And he asks us to follow him. To follow him. All of us are followers of Jesus. But if we want to follow him, he made it very clear. The Lord does not lie to us. The Lord doesn't, he tell us the truth. If you would follow me, you have to be where I am. He said, you have to what? Take up your cross. He said that. I'm quoting. You have to deny yourself. He said that. And you have to lose your soul life. He said that. The Lord said that. And follow me. And follow me. Dear sisters, I, you don't know how much I pray before the Lord that in his recovery today, there would rise a contingent of sisters in all the local churches who would follow Jesus in this way. I tell you, even when this happens, 
the recovery will go on. Will go on. <clears throat> I'm deeply burdened by this. <clears throat> we have a lot of sisters, but we don't have a lot of broken sisters. Just like we have a lot of brothers, not many are broken. And because of that, the Lord does not have a way. Okay. It's like this. You know the Lord came into us, right? The Lord came into all of us to, to live in our spirit. And that is as if we drank the living water. The Lord said, I am the living water. Drink, ask, and I will give you a drink. So when we believe in the Lord, we drank him as the water. Then he said this. He said, this drink that comes into you will be a well, will become a well, a spring. That will what? That will have rivers, right? From your innermost, from our innermost being, there'll be water flowing, flowing uh, to water other people. Well, the problem is not with the water or even with the well. The problem is that we do not give this water the passageway, the channel to flow out. And the only way for that to happen is that you and I would be broken. Broken simply means we're not so whole, W-H-O-L-E. Broken means we have holes, H-O-L-E. That means there are puncture, there are holes, there are openings in our being so that the living water can flow out from us to give life to others. Really, that means that we can conceive and bring forth life. So on the one hand, we need to love the Lord On the other hand, dear sisters, we need to be broken. I have five hymns here for you to sing on this matter. So the Lord would come and touch us. How about this? And how about that? The Lord would raise up circumstances in our life. The Lord would allow things in your environment to what? To somewhat break you. To somewhat penetrate you. To somewhat create holes in you so that this life can flow. All right, let me read this. Based on the pattern in the family life, in order for the sisters to give birth to anything in the church life, the sisters need to sacrifice. That means they need to be broken. You know, 
the fathers don't have to sacrifice that much. The, the mothers have to sacrifice a lot. I mean, talk about nine months conception. That is a sacrifice. The brothers, right, men, don't have that kind of suffering. Then the childbirth is a suffering in itself. Then to have to nurse and raise up these children, more suffering, more sacrifice, more everything. The, 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 the men just look, you know. They, they, they don't have that. They, they don't have that. Because they are not conceiving, giving birth, raising, preserving life, maintaining life. They're not doing that. The, the women is. And so all this are part of a sacrifice. In the church life, first the sisters need to the best love towards the Lord, then they need brokenness, which includes submission, sacrifice, suffering, giving up many things, never craving something for themselves, never vindicating themselves, and never saying anything for themselves. The sister need to be ready to lose themselves for the church. Wow. How do you feel after reading this? What? This is our lot? This is our portion? Oh, I should... Lord, why didn't you make me a brother? (laughs) The brothers just enjoy, happy, no sacrifice, no giving up anything, which is not true. Sisters, let me tell you, when I read this, The more I read it, the more sweet I feel. The more thankful I become. Really. My sisters, your suffering or your brokenness includes your submission. You know, I tell you, It's a big sacrifice to submit. For you to submit, to be submissive, I should say, is a sacrifice. Who wants to submit? No one wants to submit. I want you to submit, but I won't submit. Submission is a sacrifice. Suffering. Who wants to suffer? Nobody wants to suffer. But if you don't suffer, you'll never have a kid. There are some women who would not, they don't care, they don't want the suffering, the pain from a childbirth, so they never have children. And if you don't give up something, inconvenience yourself, how can you raise up children? The children are a pain, am I right? But they're a joy. But they're also a pain. Oh. You know, I have, my wife and I, we have two girls. So we have no experience with boys. 
Now we have four grandkids, three of them are boys. <laughs> so we have no ex- direct experience. So now watching my daughters have to raise up boys, oh my goodness, I thank the Lord we have girls, you know. <laughs> Those boys are rambunctious, they are crazy, they're troublemakers, they, they make a mess, they, but they're boys, they're just boys. And, and the mother have to run after them, and my goodness, uh, <laughs> what a suffering. <laughs> but why would the mother do this? Why would my daughters do this? Because they, got, they want to raise up these boys as their children uh, one day, right? Am I right? So they, they, they're suffering for that reason, and they're ready to suffer. Sisters, when the Lord allows some suffering in your lives to break you, to create holes in you, I'll tell you, this is the Lord's blessed hand to transform us, to make us not, make us broken people so that life can flow out of us. If you would reject this, if you would not have this, let me tell you, you'll be a whole person, W-H-O-L-E, but nothing comes out of you to give life. If the Lord never went to the cross, if the spear from the Roman soldier would never pierce his side, no blood and no water will ever come out. That means you and I won't be sitting here this morning. There's only one way for life to flow. If no death, no life. If no cross, no resurrection. Dear sisters, love the Lord and be open to be broken. The Bible tells us that the sisters are put in a position of submission, a position of sacrifice, and a position of humility. The real meaning of humility is to be broken. No one can be truly humble if he is not broken. I've seen broken sisters. I've seen broken sisters. Truly. My. Life just flows. Life just flows. If the sisters quarrel among themselves, see, see, this is a proof that they are not willing to be broken. If you quarrel, fight with one another in the church, That means you're not broken. Even if you have been treated wrongly, if we're willing to be wrong, this shows that we're broken. This means that we're under the working of the cross. So when someone mistreats you, you know what I mean, when treat you wrong, you don't fight back. You don't contend. You don't uh, quarrel or argue. That means you're a broken person. 
How real this is, sisters, how real this is. If the sisters are willing to be broken, this will be the greatest help to the birth of the things in the church. If you are such a broken person, life will flow and things will happen around you. Third, sisters, the sisters need to pray for the church. The sisters must be praying persons. In order to give birth to the things in the church, the sisters need to pray for the whole church in a detailed way. Let's say the brothers fellowship something or announce something of their burden and feeling for the church. Sisters, you just take that to prayer. I hope in every church, even a small church, there will be some sisters who come together to pray. I don't know whether this is your practice, but I really, really hope so. Uh, The prayers of the sisters are very, very special. All right? And we're going to talk more about this. In, in uh, Acts 12, when it says the sisters, uh, they were praying in the sister's house. I think, isn't that the case with, uh, I'm not sure, with uh, 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 the mother of Mark, uh, John Mark or something like this. Um, uh, I believe in that home, it's not only in the sister's home, But many sisters will gather to pray. Oh, Lord. (laughs) What do I say? My, again, I just speak to South Bay churches, South Bay churches. Even all the churches here, in each church, some sisters, they come together once a week. Some of them more than once a week, just to pray. They don't come together for tea time, for, you know, gossip, for talking who is marrying who. They come together to pray for the Lord's interest, to pray for the church's burden, to pray for all the saints in that church. You don't need to be long. Just keep it under one hour. Then you can go back and do your thing. But come together to pray. Oh, this will mean a lot. This time, you know, this uh, uh, National College training, there were prayers for 50 days. I heard that over 2,000 saints signed up. 2,000 saints, or more like 3,000 saints signed up. Pray for within uh, 40 days all the way through the training, And after the training, we added another 10 days, 50 days. You know why? 40 days is a bad number. That means trial. 50 days is better. That means jubilee. So we extended the prayer from 40 days to 50 days. It just ended, I think, yesterday. So 50 days of prayer for that conference. No wonder that conference was quite a blessing. Quite a success. 
Do you say, I believe some of you prayed as well, but sisters, make this a regular thing. We need the sisters' prayer. Just go back. You don't need... I, I hope the brothers would really stir up this burden and sponsor this burden. Even the sisters coming together is something of the church. Something of the church and something for the church. I wouldn't be standing here, and I gave my testimony, if my grandmother, my grandmother, didn't pray for me. My grandmother. I tell you, sisters, prayer is prevailing and powerful. The prayer of the righteous avails much, according to James, I think. Sisters, it is best that we spend less time talking, gossiping, passing on stories and rumors. It's best that the sisters come together just to pray. You know, there's a story of this sister called Ruth Lee. Ruth Lee is one of Watchman Lee's main helpers. You know, there are four famous women in Watchman Lee's life. It took four to produce a Watchman Lee. Right? That's for another time. But I mentioned one. Her name is Ruth Lee. She was the chief editor of all of Watchman Lee's messages. You know, today, if you go and read Watchman Nee, in, which were all in Chinese originally, they were all edited by this sister, Lee. And she is a very educated woman um, and very, very um, um, uh, smart lady. Very, very good with, the, with, the, with literature and so on. And so she had that job. Without her editing, today we won't have the kind of messages from Watchman Nee. Now, I read Chinese, and you read translation, you know, English or Spanish or whatever. I read Chinese. That means I read the original. I tell you, if you know the original, you know how excellent those editing, that editing work was by this Ruth Lee. This Ruth Lee was a sister who loved the Lord, was broken, and what? And pray for the church. She would have give her testimony about how she prayed. She said she would be in a meeting like this, and then a brother is ministering, you know, speaking, and she was so exercised and so full of discernment and have such a strong spirit, this sister, she would sense that the speaking brother is hitting a wall, meaning um, the burden is not quite flowing. You know, there's a crisis in the message. She would sense that. And right away in the meeting, she would pray for that brother. 
and for the speaking spirit. And all too often, right after she prayed, the brother got through. And they're also in meetings when some person stood up who should not stand up to disturb the meeting and and not contribute to the meeting. She would also have a sense and right away pray. And oftentimes after she prayed, that person is subdued. I don't know this morning as I'm speaking, which of you are praying. (laughs) But if you are exercised, if you're a praying person, you would be praying. I don't mean I'm somebody. You understand what I mean. This applies to the church life, the meeting life, all the situation in the church, how much prayers are needed. Dear sisters, be a praying sister. Now, I, I have to finish because of time. Fourth, the sisters need to season the church life by adding salt. Okay. The function of the sisters in the church can be compared to adding salt to food to season it and improve the flavor. Well, in all the cultures, you need salt to make the food flavorful. In the church life, the brothers are sometimes rough and not careful in making decisions. That is the truth. Many times the sisters need to add something to make, the brothers, make up the brothers' lack. What the sisters add can be compared to salt added to improve the flavor of the food. The sisters are needed to add salt to all that the brothers say and do in the church. If the sisters add the proper amount of salt, whatever the brothers say and do will be wonderful in the church. So let me give you an example. So let's say I'm a brother. I am a brother. Okay, I give some fellowship in, in, uh, in Long Beach or in Cerritos. I give some speaking. But that speaking is quite poor, you know. It's not, not so complete. And in fact, just something is just not, 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 not the best. Then you ask a sister, rather than going around criticizing the lousy elders, you know, these terrible, they don't even know what they're talking about. What kind of elders are these? Rather than doing that, you would what? You would say something to what? To add salt to the speaking of the brothers. You would not criticize. You would not be critical. But you would add something in a way like salt to flavor it, to make it easier to take in, to make it pleasant. Maybe during the meeting, maybe after the meeting, you would not say something different. You would support the brothers, but you would add some salt. Add some salt. Salt, number one, is to kill germs. Salt, on the other, is to add flavor. So you speak in a way to kill some germs, and you speak in a way to add some flavor. Dear sisters, this is something of your function. Uh, To help, right? conceive and give birth. Let me finish now. In the church, people of many different dispositions are brought together by the Lord. With such a mixture of people coming together to practice the church life, a great deal of salt is needed. Look at how many ethnicities we have in this room. Even the Spanish-speaking sisters, Hispanic sisters, you are actually from different countries. 
You know, I went to Southgate once, and only once. I, I'm sorry. Many years ago. And I was told in many years ago when I went, most of the saints in Southgate are from El Salvador. Is it still the case today? Or do you have other countries? Well, anyway, at that time, I was, that was the case. So they made El Salvadorian food, meal, which is not the same as Mexican. Actually, I like that food better than Mexican food. <laughs> Sorry, any saints from Mexico, don't be bothered by that. But I like the, El Sador, El, the food from El Salvador. Even among the Hispanic saints, there are different countries and different backgrounds, right? The Chinese are all from different places. We are a big mixture of people. And I tell you, in this situation to practice church life, we need a lot of salt. A lot of salt. Sisters, are you one who is salty? The brothers don't have the position to provide the necessary salt. This portion belongs to the sisters. Whether the church will be corrupted or purified, purged and cleansed depends on the sisters. So speech is very important, sisters. The sisters can kill the church very quickly, not the brothers. The sisters can kill the church quicker than the brothers. The sisters can also give life to the church quicker than the brothers. Life or death is controlled by the sisters in the church, life or death. So Moses said, this day I put to get in front of you life and death. Which will you choose? I hope, sisters, you would choose life to conceive and to give birth and to preserve and maintain life in the church. Amen?